This is the Balancing Act by Security Compass, your guide to going fast while staying safe in today's digital world. On today's episode, we are joined today once again by Rohit Sethi, CEO of Security Compass. And our guest speaker today is Dan Fritchie, founder and CEO of Alpine Security Consulting. Dan's specialty is in security innovation, helping companies of all kinds turn security from a hurdle into a strategic investment that has a positive return on investment. Dan started out with a security focus for 10 years at IBM, actively supporting penetration testing, vulnerability scanning, application security, and business intelligence across multiple security disciplines. This led to 10 years at Coal Fire, helping hundreds of companies improve their security posture in application security, encryption, tokenization, and many other security specialties. For over a year, Dan was able to help global payments help drive the value and involvement of innovative security approaches as early into application life cycles as possible. Thank you both for being here with us today, and Rohit, I'll let you take it from here. For over a year, Dan was able to help global payments drive the value and involvement of innovation security approaches as early into the application lifecycle as possible. Thank you both so much for joining us today, and Rohit, I'll let you take it from here. Welcome, Dan. Thanks for coming today, and um, happy to, to chat with you and talk a little bit about your experience with security and development in the payment space. So let me start with a question. You know, and we'll talk about the business pressures first. In the payment space, how has the need to build and ship products quickly changed over the past few years? Yeah, so that's a good question. Of course, you know, there's never a, there's a never ending pressure really to develop quickly and faster everywhere, regardless of payments, right? Within payments, technologies just change so quickly that software that you're trying to make can be behind before you even ship it. <laughs> there are certain things like agile methodologies that maybe have helped, but that alone I don't think is enough. So most payment related software has to meet specific standards, of course, as well, PCI, PADSS, the new SSF, all that kind of stuff. And those standards are constantly changing, which is a big challenge to keep up with all of that. So staying ahead of that game then becomes a critical component. So. I don't know, in other words, including security and compliance requirements as early on in that development process as possible is really one of the best ways to keep those development cycles down and can actually help avoid some of the breaches we've seen in some of the applications and and payment areas, you know, in the past. Got it. So just to follow up on that, Dan, it's interesting. Talking a little bit about, you know, some of the evolution of the product space, uh, of the payment space, I should say. How have things like cloud and answered online payments change the dynamic and change the speed with which people need to ship software versus maybe the you know the days where everybody was just producing terminals yeah <laughs> another great question i mean there's a lot of aspects to that so i guess i'll just talk about a couple one is just integrating to the cloud itself like you said that's a different way of doing things versus you know sh- code that gets shipped to a local store or whatever whatever you might have and, and then that changes a lot of dynamics. So you're relying on third party. So the whole concept, you know, there's a lot of talk or there has been, I know I've talked about it before around leveraging the proper third parties and leveraging them well, you know, regardless of which cloud solution you're using, obviously each one has its, its differences, but you have to be able to understand the responsibility areas, whether it's compliance, like, like breaking out all of those compliance rules and expectations. Some things you still are responsible for, some things you don't have to manage because one of your cloud providers might be. So that just changes those dynamics. It can massively speed it up. 
but it can also slow it down if, if you're not prepared and, and know how to handle all of those issues. Got it. Thanks for that. You know, you touched on security a little bit there. So how, how have security and risk management evolved over the years in the payment space? Yeah, lots of ways. <laughs> I think one of the biggest areas I've noticed is just a reversal even on how things are viewed. 10 years ago, the awareness of risk management and security concepts, especially at the executive level, was almost non-existent, at least in payments. I can't tell you how many companies I worked with over the years who needed just to understand that having clear text credit card data in their environment was a bad thing, right? And, and what that risk even meant to them, because it didn't mean a lot back, you know, when, you know, things were different. So, you know, you saw an attitude of, I can't do business unless I deal with this PCI thing. How much will it cost me, right? To get, to get past this, you know, what's, what's it take for you to sign off on this? We've literally, you know, I've, I've seen that people just want to sign this and, and I'll pay you and we'll be done, but you know, can't quite do it that way. So, it, that's not as universal now. It's still out there a little bit, but I think there's a much better awareness, much better understanding that the best approach in general is to start by understanding the risk that a company has from payment data, from privacy data, from IP that you might have and so on, and then take that risk, develop a security strategy and a budget based on that. And then it'd be nice to say that compliance will just naturally follow, but ultimately ensure that compliance is properly covered based on that. So, you know, a much better approach is, it's a much better approach than hoping that their compliance budget will somehow magically, you know, improve the security of their product or their company or whatever it is they're trying to protect. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think it's a, it's a trend we've seen across our client base where companies initially, you know, initially have no investment in security, of course, and then, you know, sort of very tactical things like patch management, that sort of thing. And then, usually when they get introduced to sort of regulation is when they start to think, okay, I need to have something a little more holistic, but it probably is, it, you know, it's to meet the minimum standard of compliance. And then at some point there's a, there's sort of a light bulb that turns on and it becomes more about what we really want to make sure is that we're spending efficiently and in the right places. And so we have to think about it more from a risk management standpoint. We have to meet our compliance obligations, but let's think about how we do it in a smart way. And that sounds like what you've seen happen in, in the payment space for some time. Yeah, in some places, right? I mean, sure. there's, there's always breaches that scare people into it, which while that may not be the best way to get there, sometimes it does bring them to the right places. And then I've seen other companies that say, hey, we gotta do this compliance thing. What else do we need to do to be future-proofed? And those are my favorite companies to work with because they already get some of that, right? They're trying to right. do the right thing. doesn't mean they're perfect, but you know, they're going the right direction and they're a lot more likely to succeed for sure. Great. In, you mentioned, again, when we we're talking about compliance initially, you talked about the PCI SSF or software security framework. So what are your views on the PCI software security framework and how do you think it's going to change things for, for payments companies? Yeah, well, I'm probably a little bit biased, but <laughs> I really truly believe and think that this is something that the companies need to be to watch and honestly to prepare for. So this this standard very well could define where PCI itself even heads over the next few years. So I'll try to explain that. Um, one, <laughs> in my mind, right, it's been a long time coming. I, I've been fortunate enough to see this evolve from PBP days uh, back with visas pre-standards to PADSS and now into SSF, which is really a new way of assessing the security of software relative to payments specifically, although it could really be applied outside of that, which is kind of the one of the powerful things about it. 
no longer do we have an application standard that was built out of a network standard. So that in and of itself is, is a great leap forward. It takes a more risk-based approach than ever before. And it's also one more designed for applications rather than networks, right? So it's a new way to approach payment assessments in one sense. And I think that it'll really, it really could be paving the way for what most people are actually aware of and worried about, which is the PCI DSS 4.0, the network stuff. So the flexibility that SSF offers is really great, but it also comes with a big shifting of responsibility. So it could mark a shift towards third parties in general, I think. It could be the onus for payment security, especially depending on what the scope of what's covered by the standard changes and evolves. That's still kind of a, a big, important question mark into vendors and in a way for merchants. So if you aren't watching this closely, you could definitely be unprepared, even though it's not, you know, coming due um, for a couple of years or required. Um, it's optional and available now. And I strongly recommend anybody listening that they take a look into that and, and, and check it out some more. That's really interesting. So it sounds to me like, you know, what, what you're saying, a couple of things that, that stood out to me, but one that I would uh, sort of highlight is it's one is just applicable to payments. Like really this could be extended broadly. So I want to touch on that for a second. But the other is this whole idea of barriers to entry, right? Like that essentially because we're, we're raising the bar, more people are going to outsource things that they may have tried to do, tried to do in-house initially because it's just, it's, it's more complex. You know, I guess the, the, those two things go sort of hand in hand. Do you foresee other industries adopting this sort of framework? I don't know. I mean, they could. I, I think the approach, maybe not the specific framework. Right. I think I think there's a lot of places that aren't doing PDSS now that will probably need to be doing this. And it, you know, kind of like I don't know, maybe another example. A good example is is encryption within PCI. We saw or I saw a lot of healthcare companies glomming onto that before the PCI part of it, and then they found that obviously most of them need to do both, and so they tried to figure out how to leverage both of those things at once, if that makes sense. So right. yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see, time will tell, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if it gets used as a, as a baseline, the way PCI is used as a baseline for security, right? It's not just because you meet PCI doesn't mean you're secure per se. Yeah. And the same thing here, it doesn't mean that you're going to meet those standards, but it, it is a good place to start. And if you're at least doing that minimum level of due diligence, if you will, then you've got, you know, you're starting off in a good spot. Yeah, no, for sure. I, you know, from, from my perspective, at least what, what we've seen inside of the software security framework is uh, maybe not orders of magnitude, but substantially more robust than your average software security program at most companies, especially outside of the payment space. So it'll be interesting to see <clears throat> how, how willing companies are to tolerate sort of the additional complexity and cost that are associated with it. But once it becomes a minimum bar, it's hard to to justify not doing it exactly but i think there's an opportunity here for certain third parties to take advantage of that and help right. help companies be that one to bring it all together too there's yep. definitely opportunity in, in that space oh good point a good business opportunity for sure yep. in the payment space how can good security be a competitive differentiator yeah i could probably talk about that all day as well so i'll <laughs> pick a couple things in one sense it's more and more of a requirement just to be able to sell your products, right? You, you have to have, you know, table stakes. You have to have, you have to be able to answer that question. More and more we see that question coming from somebody who wants to purchase a product. Hey, do you meet PCI? Hey, do you, 
do you do this, you know, NIST or whatever it might be they're asking. And, and if you can't answer those questions, you know, you can't even, can't even continue the conversation easily. However, I'd say that being able to properly articulate the value of your security investment is just not like something I've seen done well on a consistent basis. Those who do benefit for sure when they can. And I love having those conversations, obviously. It generally starts with choosing the best security technologies. It depends on you know, your, where you're starting from, where that could be, you know, depends. It could be encryption or tokenization or multi-factor authentication or whatever it is. You got to start with the right things that, that make sense for your product or your business or whatever. And then another aspect that's critical, I think, is just how well you can track your risk and your security posture. So too many companies have been at best had an after the fact awareness, you know, they, they look at it backwards. It, 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 so if you can switch to a proactive approach, leverage the latest security technologies, then I think that's just what's really important to leverage that value of security. And then that can provide a differentiator to the company and, and a competitive differentiator. Have you seen the behavior of clients change? Like that, that uh, clients of payments companies are looking more into the security as opposed to sort of just saying you have a rubber stamp and that's good enough? Absolutely. I mean, not everybody, not universally, but, but the, you know, the questions that they're asking have, have absolutely changed over the years. They're, uh, hopefully, <laughs> we'd like to think um, that part of it's they're better educated and, and that we've played our part in doing that. Some of them, uh, you know, like I mentioned before, might be just more afraid but they're, they're also having interactions with better vendors who are telling them things and then they ask those questions to the next vendor. So there's a lot of ways that it happens, but for sure, it's changed a lot. Yeah, and, I, and I'd like to imagine that some of the high profile breaches uh, that have occurred as a, as a result of sort of third parties as opposed to, to the company themselves has raised a profile and you know, particularly in this space, if a merchant is, is working with a payment provider, they're gonna, they're gonna put a lot of scrutiny on it. So that makes complete sense. Yep. You know, okay, I guess so sort of in a, along the same lines in your experience, how can you get security to be seen as an ally of the business rather than a speed bump? Yeah, that, that is a really tough question. It can be done. I, I will say that I'm an, I'm an optimist at heart, I guess, but it, it definitely, it can be a challenge. So in my mind, one of the places to start right off the beginning is, is not a technical space. It's simply in the mindset. You know, if you've got an IT department or, or any other group, you know, in a business that views their security division as a necessary evil, the bump just gets larger, right? So I've seen that when those groups, you know, whatever group, IT or whoever can partner with security, in a cooperative attitude, then you have the possibility to make progress. doesn't guarantee it, but it's certainly possible at that point. So an analogy I've sometimes used in app development anyway is if the product group says, hey, our plan is to jump off this bridge, would you say that the security group should respond with a sure, go ahead, or should they say no? Well, most people, I hope, <laughs> would say no, don't just jump. A better approach is to say, you know, for the product group to state the need or the goal, hey, we're on this bridge and we need to get to the bottom as quickly as possible. Then security can say, okay, we can do that. Do you, you know, would stairs be okay? Or do you need an elevator or an escalator? Or do you need a zip line, right? But they're not going to say jump. So each has right. a different speed and a different cost. When you talk about the business and you, you know, the, you know, the analogy dissipates quickly, but the discussion then is about something that can be secured from the beginning and yet still meet the goals. Right. So kind of stop being the department of no and become the department of how can we help you? Yes, both, both directions. So my encouragement is if you're in security, back up and just say, you know, what is your goal? Ask to understand if they're not, if they're not conveying that so that you can then figure out how to help them. And then the flip is 
come in with a, hey, can you help me with this attitude from the product group or whatever, the IT group, whoever it is talking to security, if you come in with that approach, you'll, you'll lower those defenses, right? So either way, we'll start to break those, those barriers down and get over the speed bump, but ultimately both have to be on the same page and take that approach. It's interesting. It's something I hear a lot from, you know, CISOs and it, it sounds like, you know, it sounds like it, it's consistent with your experience, which is that there's a really fundamental prerequisite for security and business to work together. And it's kind of like this almost interpersonal relationships, right? Where the, 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 the business leaders need to see security as an ally and not just from, a, not just from, you know, corporate perspective, but even at a very personal level, you, you sort of have to have these direct relationships and that, that tends to make things work a lot better. Yeah. I mean, ultimately this isn't a security question even, right? This is a, yeah. this is a business question and, and a personal question, I suppose, but, but you know, within businesses, the same things apply, right? If, if you've got, you know, a bunch of different groups going different directions, everybody needs to go the same direction for the company to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. Uh, so in your experience, and this is interesting because you, you've got a pretty unique view, I would say here, versus what I've seen in industry, but you know, how have security and compliance sometimes worked in silos and what are ways that companies can improve it? Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of already have started touching on that with the last question, I think, but I mean, generically speaking, you know, I've seen small companies, I've seen big companies, most of the time, the larger the company, the more those those two groups fall apart, security and compliance, right? They have similar goals, but you know it is appropriate, of course, for those to be separate groups. It, it, they should be in most cases, especially larger companies, that they have to be separated. Right. But you know, I almost hesitate to say this. It's kind of like our country and our states in the U.S., right? They'll they will do best if we're united, right? Rather than yeah. going different directions at different speeds. I, I've often seen very similar efforts going on, very parallel efforts in different, you know, those two, those two groups, and and the other neither group knew that the other was doing almost the same thing. So. You know, with that, the first thing, of course, is simply just an effort to communicate between the groups on common efforts. So, you know, that's the attitude shift we were talking about before, embracing common goals, you know, good place to start. Making this really happen is likely going to take some significant work. But, you know, I think, I believe that if both groups can identify those common goals, however you get there and work in conjunction with each other, that the return on that investment can actually save just a lot of money uh, in different ways, right? It could be licensing costs, it could be contracting costs, it could simply be employee time, but I think it could also mean a shorter time to market and it could even lower some of those assessment costs, right? So sometimes this can be done internally if there's enough executive backing, right? And somebody who will champion that, sometimes it's better to leverage a independent third party to help facilitate that. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of ways to go about actually making that happen but you know it is possible yeah it's it's really interesting it's something you know we have this philosophy of what we call balanced development which is this concept that in in a lot of companies software development is really key to their competitive differentiation whether or not you're producing products even if you're just building software for internal it you know it gives you the competitive advantage maybe by moving faster, maybe by opening up new revenue streams. But then when you think about compliance and security, they, they're typically focused on risk management. And so if you want to be holistic in your, in, in your view of compliance or holistic in your view of information security, you, you might look at those things and, and say, you know, we have to do a bunch of different processes. We need to do risk assessments. We need to do threat modeling, or we need to do, you know, audits. We need to 
we need to do privacy impact assessments. And there was really not a lot of incentive for those groups to say, well, how can we make all the things we need more efficient so that we minimize the impact to the people who produce products, which are ultimately you know, critical to the business. So you're right. I think there sort of has to be like a higher level business understanding and almost imperative that let's focus on efficiency so we don't bog down the, the, you know, the, the, the software development process. But it seems to be a relatively new concept in industry to think about you know, all these you know, line two in the, in the three lines of defense model, line two groups kind of coming together and, and harmonizing processes rather than adding new ones that just bog down the development teams. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and ultimately, people sometimes forget. It feels to me like security has been around forever, right? Cybersecurity, this kind of stuff, because I've been doing it for a long time. But it's actually a fairly immature space in a lot of ways, especially given the fact that things, like we said before, keep changing so quickly in the space, right? Technology doesn't slow down, but you know you can quickly, easily get behind in your security. And something that was valuable yesterday may or may not be valuable to do. And that's a tough one to figure out, right? You've invested in something. How do you leverage those things efficiently from a business standpoint from a long term? And how do you strategize when things are changing? So, you know, being prepared, being aware of what's coming and thinking in advance, you know, are some of those things that help with that. Awesome. Well, that's great insight, Dan. I really appreciate your time today and helping share your experience. Is there anything else that you wanted to, you know, let the, let the listeners know? I hope this is helpful for folks. You know, maybe there's some good questions that come out of this. Obviously, I have a passion for talking about these things and I like helping companies figure this stuff out. So it's been great working with you here on this and yeah, I appreciate, appreciate everyone's time. All right. Thanks so much, Dan. Thanks. Can't get enough of the balancing act? Make sure to check out our website at www.securitycompass.com and be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts for more episodes. Mm-hmm.